Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort, and on today's edition, we have a special guest for a special show. Today is our one-year anniversary of Transit Unplugged. We started this program, powered by Trapeze, a year ago with the concept of a really unplugged interview with the top of our transit industry. We interviewed CEOs of transit systems and transit providers with no real agenda, allowing them to tell their own story, talking about their background and how they made it to the CEO position, their current projects and their current operations, and then a look at the future. We basically asked that same structure to now about 25 different transit CEOs. And on this edition, we'll be talking to Dorville Carter, president of the Chicago Transit Authority. Started his career in the legal field, ended up as chief counsel of the Federal Transit Administration, and then up as acting chief of staff to Secretary Anthony Fox at the U.S. Department of Transportation, and then asked by Mayor Rahm Emanuel to come back to the city and run the transit system, one of the largest transit systems not only in America, but in the world. You'll get to hear all about it on this special one-year anniversary program of Transit Unplugged. We encourage you to subscribe to the show if you don't already to make sure you get one sent to your inbox every 15 days. And that's how often the program comes at you with a new episode is uh, twice a month on the 15th and 30th of each month. This last year, in the first year, we were recognized by the Content Management Association as one of the top five business podcasts, a very popular program. We thank you for making it so. We thank you for listening and telling your friends and leaving comments on iTunes and on our own website platform called www.transitunplugged.com. We encourage you to come back every time, invite your friends to listen as we find out what's happening in the world of public transit from the people who help lead it. I'm Paul Comfort. Thanks so much for being with us today on our special one-year anniversary show with our special guest, Dorval Carter, president of the CTA. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. I'm Paul Comfort, your host of Transit Unplugged. And today I'm in Chicago in the offices of Dorval Carter, who is the president of the Chicago Transit Authority. Dorval, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you, Paul. Glad to be here. Yeah. we uh, Dorval and I have known each other over the years off and on, and uh, great. Uh, thank you for welcoming me into your office here. I wanted to start off with, talk a little about your career. You've got a really unique career coming up through the law field. I'm an attorney too, and not a lot of CEOs have come up through the legal field. So tell me some about your background and how you ended up as head of this big, what, what is it, the number, the third largest transit system in America? Second largest transit system in America. Second largest, okay, um, behind New York behind City. Behind New York City. Okay. Yes, you're right. I did have a, a somewhat unique career path. As, as you know, attorneys don't usually end up running Transit agencies, right. and um, I started at CTA right out of law school. Didn't have any real focus on transportation or or anything like that. You went to Howard, right? In, I went to Howard. Maryland? I went to Howard University. Yeah. Um, uh, in Washington, D.C. I'm, Washington, a native, right there, I'm a native Washingtonian. I, grew, okay. I, I was born in Washington, D.C. But um, I had a lot of friends that go to Howard. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I uh, great school, and, and I got a great education there. But um, came back out of law school, got a job here as a staff attorney. I started to work my way up through the ranks and eventually was the deputy chief attorney for corporate law okay. uh, at CTA and then left CTA to go work for FTA as regional counsel. 
And I was regional counsel for about six years here in Chicago, uh, and then went to D.C. as the assistant chief counsel for legislation and regulation. Left FTA to come back to CTA, where I was executive vice president for management and performance, and, and was in that position for about eight years before I left to join the Obama administration. Was that like the chief administrative officer of CTA? Yes. Time? Yeah. Yes. So you really got to learn the nuts and bolts of all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I there. did. I yeah. did, in a non-legal role. So right. I, I was um, actively involved in just about every every issue here at CTA. I bet you, yeah. What a great education. Huh? It was. It was yeah. a terrific education, and I'm forever thankful for the opportunity to, to, to work in that position. And then I left to join the Obama administration as a political appointee. Okay. Uh, I started off as chief counsel for FTA which was interesting because I had worked as a staff attorney in that same department. To come back as the boss was pretty cool, huh? was, was a pretty cool uh, experience. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually moved up to acting chief of staff to the Secretary of Transportation, which is a position I held when the mayor contacted me and asked me if I'd be interested in coming back and doing some real work. Was that LaHood you were there with? I was there with LaHood and uh, with Fox. Okay, Anthony um, I was I was uh, chief of staff to Fox. Okay, um, nice. Then came back here three years ago as president of CTA and, and have been been in this position ever since. And, and that mayor met... Rahm Emanuel asked you to come back and yes. take this over? Yeah. Yeah, the mayor. He's a name boy. Everybody knows him in America, Rahm Emanuel. He is, but what... People also should appreciate about, about Ron is that he is a strong advocate for transit. That's great. And to have a mayor of his stature who is willing to go to bat and to fight to get you the funding and to support the things that you need to really improve you know, our transit system has been a terrific honor. And, and I've truly enjoyed working with him as our mayor. That's great. He's probably the most famous mayor in America now. You know, and the, So Giuliani's not mayor anymore. He's the biggest name. That's pretty cool. He may be, yeah. um, but, <laughs> but he loves transit and he loves supporting us. And I had an event with him just this week where okay. he was promoting transit and the things we're doing. So Now, what's his role with CTA and how are you governed? What's the structure right. here? So the CTA is, has a governing board that oversees it. The majority of that board is appointed by the mayor. Okay. And the rest are appointed by the governor. Oh, by the governor. Uh, right. Interesting. Right. Okay. So we have three appointees that are, that are by the governor himself. And so that is who basically is our governing body. I am appointed by the board. But the mayor controls majority of the board, so basically the mayor appoints me. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. And I serve at the will of the board and, and ultimately uh, at the mayor. And then talk about the scope. What does CTA do? You know, the, the how many buses, employees, budget, that kind of stuff. Sure. CTA has about ten thousand employees. Okay. Um, we have a little over two thousand buses, uh, about twelve hundred rail cars. We operate twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. We serve the city of Chicago and thirty five surrounding suburbs. So we're not just the city okay. itself. We are part of the makeup of the regional transit network in this entire region that is overseen by the Regional Transportation Authority, which is our funding agency. And then it's supported by both Metra and PACE. Metra provides commuter rail in the region. Okay. And PACE provides suburban bus service. Um, and so between CJA, Metro, and PACE, we provide all the trans- public transportation service in the entire Chicagoland area. And... Uh- PACE does paratransit for Chicago? Yes. PACE okay. also does the paratransit service for the entire for the entire region. Gotcha. That's Leanne Redden at RTA, right? Leanne Redden yeah. is the head of the RTA, has been executive director there for about four or five years. And and what's their role as it relates to CTA? Don't some doesn't some funding come through them or all of our all of our operating funding comes through the RTA. Okay. The RTA is the fiscal oversight agency. 
for CTA, Metro, and PACE. Mm-hmm. They approve our budgets every year and provide the fiscal oversight for us. They do not provide any operational support or activities at all. Right. It's basically just financial. Okay, very good. And... Um so let's talk about what you're doing now. You got you and I were talking in your office a few minutes ago. You got so many exciting things happening at CTA. I mean, you're a national leader in so many areas. But tell us some of the coolest projects you've got going on now. Well, we have a number of projects. I think the the biggest project we have going on is red purple modernization, which is a rehab and a core capa- it's a core capacity project okay. that's going to provide additional capacity and build a new flyover for one of our lines. Uh, as well as rehabbing a number of our stations. It's a $2.1 billion project. It's wow. the biggest construction project in the history of CTA. Wow. Uh, and it's going to take us about six years to complete it. But we're very excited about it. And, and to put things in context, this is just phase one of that project. We didn't mention this, but you know, in addition to being the second largest uh, transit agency in the country, we're also one of the oldest. My rail system is over 125 years old. Wow. CTA celebrated its 70th anniversary just uh, this year. Okay. As you can imagine, with a system that old, there's a lot of work that we need to do to, to both get it up to a state of good repair and continue to maintain it. This project is a building to the state of good repair for one of the major branches on the north side of the city that we're going to be replacing, and, and we're very excited to be able to move that forward. Talk to us about the L. Its name is very famous, and it's raised, unlike a lot of cities. Tell us how all that works, and how did sure. that happen? Yeah. The L is short for elevated. Chicagoans call it the L. It's also sometimes referred to as the loop, because a portion of the elevated structure actually circles downtown Chicago. It is a portion of the infrastructure that was built around the turn of the century. It was formerly operated by a number of private companies. When the private companies went under, CTA was created to take it over. The system itself used to be much more robust than it is today. There are branches and other pieces that have basically been torn down over the years. But it is a significant portion of our of our system and probably the oldest part of our system. Okay. But in addition to Elevated, we also have Subway at CTA, and we also have some areas that, that run at grade. And why was it Elevated, just to get it up above the... The, <laughs> the previous owners of the L system were businessmen okay. who basically built the Elevated structure on public right-of-way because they were able to bribe the politicians back there <laughs> to get access to that right-of-way. And so they built it over alleys and streets. Because of where they were putting it, it obviously had to be elevated. I got you. Because they were public throughfares that they were operating over. That's really why it's built that way. And that's really why it's structured the way it, it, it is, because it actually tended to run right along alleyways and streets throughout the city. So that's a perfect segue to talk about. So you've got transit service above the ground, on yes. the ground. Now, what's happening under the ground? Is something coming under the ground here? There is. <laughs> the, 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 the city is pursuing a little project called Airport Express. Okay. And they just recently announced that they are going to negotiate with Elon Musk and the Boring Company, which is his company, to build a express system that will run underground. It'll actually run below our subway system that will take people from downtown Chicago to the airport in 15 minutes. Uh, it's going to be a high-speed tube that's going to operate in and small pod-like uh, vehicles that will basically lower themselves down into a, a tunnel or tube and then go at very high rates of speed through that tube out to the airport directly. Interesting. Um, the mayor is very excited about this. This is one of the transportation pieces that he believes 
put CTA in the classification of world-class cities. Yes. If you look at cities like London and Hong Kong and, and others, they all have airport express features. Okay. Uh, it's a premium service that will be operated at a premium price, so it will not compete directly with CTA. We also operate regular public transportation service out to the airport, mm -hmm. but you can view ours as sort of like the local service as opposed okay. to this being express nonstop service all it's the way It's a seller underground, huh? Yes, <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, it's a seller yeah. underground. We believe that businessmen and women and, and uh, tourists and others will basically want to utilize that service for a quick and convenient way to get back and forth between the airport because our option, while reliable, is about 40 minutes. Okay. And taking cabs or Uber or Lyft, something like that, is pretty much a crapshoot depending upon what traffic is right on. Right. on it's going place. to O'Hare, not to Midway, right? Right. Yes. Just O'Hare. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. He's and just as a side note, uh, they've been out to Maryland too, and our governor has yes. announced that he was going to give them the same kind of right of way underneath 295 to do Baltimore to Washington. So it's very interesting, isn't it? What's happening now in tra transportation? There's no shortage of change occurring in our industry right now, and I think you're as aware of that as anybody. And obviously, you have things like you know Airport Express and using new technology that's never been utilized before as a transportation option. But you also have you know, things like Uber and Lyft, and, and here are bike share companies called Divi. Um, yeah, I saw it right outside your it, building. It's you one of the largest there. bike share operations in the country. It's very popular. Okay. Um, our customers use it a lot, particularly for last mile. Right. And there are a lot of things that we're doing to really try to incorporate these options and make, and make it easier for our customers to utilize public transportation as part of an overall transportation network. It ties very much into our app which we're going to be adding a feature in the, in the next few months that's going to allow you to basically reserve a Divi bicycle oh. through our app. Kind of like uh, mobility as a service, reading everything on one app. It is. And, you know, we're looking at that with rideshare. We're looking at that with car share. Okay. We're thinking about having conversations with Uber and Lyft about ways to integrate our apps into that and just figure out ways in which we make it easier for the residents of the city to choose between the many transportation options that they have here. Yeah, that's wonderful. You're doing something unique too in how you're getting some funding from some of the TNCs from Uber and Lyft to help you fund some security and safety upgrades. Tell us about that. Yes, this past year, the mayor, once again, I have to emphasize that this is why working for this mayor is so terrific. And he basically pursued in his budget with the city council, the implementation of a ride hailing fee that basically provides funding directly to CTA to fund capital improvements in, in our transit system. Mm. That money is funding a number of projects for us, including a fast track okay. uh, program that's going to be a track renewal program that's going to significantly reduce the time it takes to get through certain parts of our system. As I mentioned before, with a system 125 years old, the age of our track and, and the need to replace our, our rail and, and track bed is critical to our ability to remain reliable and fast service. And so we have a significant program in place that's going to basically renew uh, a number of miles of track within CTA to allow for improved service to our customers. The other piece is, is called Safe and Secure, which is basically funding lighting and camera upgrades throughout our entire system. CTA has well over 30,000 cameras and our system is one of the biggest camera networks of any transit system in the country. And with this funding, we'll be able to completely convert the entire system to high def. Nice. And add additional lighting and monitors in, in a lot of locations throughout the system that will make our, 
our camera system work more effectively, efficiently in, in protecting our customers and the general public. Well, I want to say congratulations to you on that. That's a great program. I think cities all over America ought to be looking into something like that, a way to, I mean, Uber and Lyft and these companies are entering our public mobility sphere and having them help support traditional public mobility is really unique. Well, and it's important. There's no question that Uber and Lyft's ability to operate is directly connected to having having healthy public transportation uh, services around them. And Uber and Lyft will be the first to tell you that. Right. They are able to do what they do because we're able to do what we do. And we have to find a way to coexist in one urban environment because our residents want all these options. And so, you know, finding a way to help subsidize public transportation through their, their business is, I think, one way that you continue to maintain a healthy overall public transportation system that everybody wants for congestion and air quality and all the other livability issues sure. uh, that it addresses. How is ridership here in Chicago on the public transit <clears throat> side? How's that been? Ridership is down slightly. We carry about 1.5 million riders a day. A day. Wow. Uh, and it has been down about 4 or 5% uh, over the past few years. I think it's any different yeah. than what every, everyone is experiencing right now. And, it, and to a great degree, it's tied to a number of the things that we were talking about. Right. But I also think that a healthy economy, you know, increased car ownership, low fuel prices, all of that are feeding into the ridership choices that our customers are making, which is why it's so important that we're making the investments that we do into our infrastructure and are working to improve the reliability and the efficiency of our service. Right. I've been writing and speaking lately about the fact that we can't make ridership the only key performance indicator that determines our success. We're in a whole new era now in the United States where, in addition to everything you talked about, a lot of people are working from home one or two days a week yes. because of the internet, et cetera. And so it's just a different environment. So you can't say, oh, you know, public transit's not doing a great job just because ridership's down three to 5%. Actually, it's stabilizing, and like you said, we're actually becoming mobility aggregators now, aren't we, right. for our cities? No, yeah. I, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, one, you have to look at what drives people to cities these days, and it's basically the convenience and the options they have available to them. At the end of the day, public transportation can still carry more people from point A to point B in you know, the peak periods of travel than any other option that's out there. No one else in, on an Uber or Lyft vehicle in the middle of the morning rush hour is gonna be able to move into downtown as, as efficiently right. as we are. And so there is a place and a purpose that we serve in terms of the entire ecosphere of transportation. Ultimately, it's that overall ecosphere that drives the economic vitality of major urbanized areas like ours. So I agree with you that ridership is not the sole litmus test for success in, yes. in transit, and we need to move away from that as the sole determinant factor on whether we're accomplishing what we want to accomplish. And we do need to start having a broader conversation about how all of these options work together right. in a way that achieves the broader policy objectives that the mayors and, and the citizens and the other elected officials in the city are looking to achieve in a city like Chicago. Yep. One more thing on that topic. The more I thought about it, I thought, okay, so we can control, to some degree, safety. 
Yes. We can control the efficiency of the routes. We can control the reliability, the on-time performance through technology, et cetera. And we can control customer service. Those are key performance indicators that really show whether you, as President Carter, are doing a great job, right? Correct. Ridership is the one thing we don't control. Right. And it's the one thing that we're often measured by. It's really an upside-down kind of thing. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I don't know that any other business necessarily would view their measure of success in such a myopic way. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you're, you, I mean, here in Chicago, obviously, like New York, you are kind of the baked in the bread and butter of the city. I mean, yes. did, uh, the L and how public transit's viewed. I mean, 1.5 million rides a day, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think I make the point on, on, on many occasions that the CTA and the L is an iconic part of the city. There are very few transit systems around the world that are as closely identified with their city as the CTA is to Chicago. Right. Um, you know, you got to go to San Francisco in the cable car. Right. Or I think that Paris in the metro or London yes. in the tube. Sure, right. Um, there are cities that, that basically you hear one and you know exactly where you're at. Yes. And Chicago is the L. That's you right. the L and everybody knows what transit system you're talking about and everybody knows what city you're talking about. That's and right. That's an important part of our history and our culture. Yes, absolutely. One thing we didn't talk about when yes. we were talking about the um, purple, red and purple modernization is the TIF that you use to fund it. I'm not aware of many cities doing that, using a uh, tax increment financing for public transit infrastructure. Can you talk about that for a moment? Yeah, we actually got authority through the state legislature, and then once again, the mayor supported through city council the creation of a TIF along the entire corridor of one of our lines, a quarter mile on each side of that corridor, that is exclusively dedicated to transit mm-hmm. and transit capital improvements. And so we were able to use the TIF as a way to fund the non-federal match that we needed for the red purple modernization okay. project. Okay, that's great. Um, and it is unique, you're right, in that it is one of the few TIFs, maybe one of the only TIFs in the country that is 100% devoted to transit. For people who aren't familiar with what a TIF is, what is it, it captures, it captures the, value the value of the increased property? Right, the increased property value of the property along that corridor that value is captured and then is invested back into the transit corridor. In some ways, when you look at the impact that transit investments have on increasing the value of the property around it, yes. it's exactly the type of model that makes sense in our industry. Because exactly. we talk about when we when we you know when we make these improvements, the economic growth that occurs around them. And we have clearly examples here in Chicago where we have seen entire communities revitalized as a result of a transit investment that we made. And to say that you can now go back and capture that value and put it into those investments makes a whole lot of sense. And I think from the public's perspective, I should point out that city council passed, unanimously passed the TIF uh, to support us. From the public assessment, they see that that money, that those taxes are going directly into and improving that they can get a public benefit from. Yes. That was one of the big selling points that we did around the TIF is that this isn't you know, lining some private developers' pockets or anything like that. This is fun going into a public investment that provides a public benefit that you will enjoy for decades. Right. It's actually taking money from developers. Correct. <laughs> I mean, Correct. I think about when I was at MTA in Baltimore before I left, we were building, they still are building something called the Purple Line. Yes. You're from D.C., right? Yes. So the value of properties in Bethesda, Silver Spring, College Park, Skyrocket. along those lines are going through the roof. Yes. And, uh, and so developers are making tons of money yep. off of the value of their property going up because of a public transit utility coming through. Absolutely right. Yeah. And so this was a unique opportunity to actually capture that value back to transit. 
Uh, and I think, awesome, it's, I think it's a, a, a innovative idea, one that we plan to use in the future for future projects. And I'm very excited and very thrilled to have that tool in my toolbox. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking about the future, something that everyone's talking about is alternative fuels for transit and our electric or Lauren Skyver, my friend from Coachella Valley, she's doing hydrogen fuel cells. But you've kind of gone forward with 20 Proterra electric buses. That's a big purchase, but you did a lot of testing, right? Tell us about that testing and how you came to this decision. So originally we had a couple of electric buses that we had purchased um, um, probably about seven or eight years ago. And we were very skeptical about how well electric buses would perform, primarily in the environment like Chicago. Sure, yeah. With our harsh winters and our super hot summers, we just didn't know how we could expect them to perform. But we wanted to test them out and just sort of see what we know, how they might work in our in our system. And I have to say that we were pleasantly surprised at how well they performed. So much so that we felt that we were ready to really go to the next stage and really make a, a more significant investment in the technology and to really start to see how we'll start to integrate that into our overall bus fleet. So we're in the process of purchasing 20 buses. We just selected the vendor, which is Proterra. This will be the first time that we've had any Proterra buses in our fleet. We're very excited to, to get them on board and start to really expand our footprint for the use of these buses. I think that our customer base is very excited to see us pursue technology that will obviously be more environmentally friendly. And as we pursue this, we're going to also start putting in place a study to look at what it would take for us to start to transition to a zero emission fleet. Obviously, in a system like CTA, it's a very complicated conversation, but we really are committed to looking at ways in which we can be more environmentally friendly and be more efficient, uh, mm-hmm. both of which you get with electric buses in terms of cost savings from fuel and other things. Right. And so we're going to take a look at this. The new order, in addition to, to provide us with 20 buses, is also going to provide us with a number of uh, power stations to charge these buses out when they're out on the system operating. Okay. And, uh, quick charge, right? Quick charge, yeah. yep. And uh, we're going to be put, installing those along with taking receipt and delivery of the buses. So it'll be a full-blown expansion of our program. And really, I think the actual real-world testing of how these buses will operate yeah. in real-world conditions. I was impressed with scale. the results that you came up with. What I read, tell me if they're right, what I read was that on average, these electric buses would save $24,000 a year on fuel and $30,000 a year in maintenance costs because they're so much simpler to maintain. That's correct. Is that about right, those that's numbers? That's correct, yeah. So that's pretty big savings. Over fifty k per bus per year on operating costs is big. Well, and you start to mo- multiply that through a, a large <laughs> number of buses and you, you're talking some real money here. So yeah, absolutely. There's no question that this is direction that the industry is going in. The technology around the batteries and their reliability and and efficiency is changing almost yearly. Mm -hmm. And I think that agencies like CTAs and other sort of the bigger transit agencies, we're all looking at, at this now as sort of the future of bus service and are just starting to figure out sort of how to make it, how to integrate it and incorporate it into our fleet. That's great. Two more questions, one about the future, yes. and then one to look back to the past of a band that used to be called the Chicago Transit Authority. We'll end with that. But So you're kind of on a great perch here as the head of the nation's second largest transit system. What do you see for the future of public transit? Kind of play the, the visionary role for a moment. Where are we going in the next five to 10 years as an industry nationwide for public transit? Well, I think, I mean, I think a number of things. We've talked a little bit about sort of the industry disruptors that are occurring now in terms yeah. of 
not just Uber and Lyft, but you go, you got electric bikes now, you got electric scooters, you got all sorts of things now that are being put dockless bikes, all of that that's starting to, to sort of infiltrate in that's creating these options for our customers that are going to basically totally, I think, sort of remold the way in which we provide service going forward. I think that technology is going to play a huge role in what the future of, of public transportation looks like. Automated vehicle technology, where does that fit in our new world order? I think that you're going to start to see us viewing transit systems not just as how do you get into the central business district and out, but much more neighborhood focused and what types of services operate within the neighborhood with, with I think, much more connectivity directly from the neighborhoods into transportation corridors that will take you to more remote places. I think that's where you're going to start seeing automated vehicles and other things coming into play. You're going to see more partnerships with the private sector who are really leading the way in new technology and integrating that technology into our communities that will provide new opportunities for us to grow and develop. I think you're going to see us become much more savvy in how we use technology to leverage other investments that we need to make. We have an app here called Ventra, which is our fair media app. We believe that we're going to be able to, as we go forward, use that app as a foundation for other transit systems who want to basically upgrade their fair media and provide them with the support to make that work. So an expansion of the way in which we conduct business, I think, is going to be a part of, of this, all of which are bringing revenues back in to support the base service that we operate. I think we're going to have to diversify much more in terms of what our revenue sources are and how we're basically leveraging public transit to support the costs that are significant to, to maintain the type of, of investments that we're trying to, to utilize here in a city like Chicago. And I think you're going to see all that in the future. Wow. That's great. That's a great vision. And with your hand on the till, I know you're going to help CTA get there, huh? I'm going to certainly try. Yeah. Yeah, we certainly want to be on the you know, on the cutting edge of all of that. That's great. Well, I wanted to end on a fun note. Yes. You and I were talking ahead of time about, you know, we both like the band Chicago yes. uh, with Peter Cetera, and they were really popular for many years and still are, I think. But they used to be called Chicago Transit Authority, right? That's correct. Yeah. So what's, what's the story there? What's the connection? Well, the band Chicago started here in Chicago. Many of the members went to DePaul University, which okay. is which literally sits right adjacent to one of our lines. And I'm old enough to remember when they were putting out their first albums and were called Chicago Transit Authority. They made a decision to change their name to Chicago. There are a lot of rumors about why they did that, including that the people at CTA at the time were very upset at the fact that, that um, uh, they uh, were using their name okay. uh, for a, quote, rock and roll band. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know if that's really true, yeah. but uh, if it were, it was one of the most short-sighted things that we ever did <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of publicity. But I'm a big fan of Chicago. They have a strong connection to the city. We certainly welcome them to use CTA anytime they want. There you go. Uh, You'll probably give them a gold card, right? I would, <laughs> man, anytime they want. They want to do a music video on CTA, just come see us. There you go. I think that they are as iconic a part of the city as the L. Um, and look forward to, to obviously getting a chance to actually meet them. Yeah, uh, that'd be great. Well, Dorval Carter, the man of the hour, thank you so much for being a guest with us here on Transit Unplugged. Your vision for our industry, I'm, I'm wholeheartedly endorsed. I think it's exactly where we need to go to. And uh, I'm excited that you're at the top of our industry, one of the top leaders, helping to guide us to the future because 50 million people a day in North America rely on transit services, their mobility for their life. And we need seasoned leaders like you to help 
kind of show us the way. So thanks so much for helping to guide, and hopefully our listeners will glean a lot of truth from what we talked about today. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank <laughs> you. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.